Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Tonight, I'd like to share with you something that as I prayed about something to share with you that would edify you, uh, the Lord put this specific word on my heart for this church. And so I pray you have ears to hear tonight. I'm not going to take long at all. I'm just going to go through these points. But what I'm going to do is take one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible, Romans chapter 8. And uh, did you guys get an outline when you came in? Okay. It's, I'm, I'm kind of weird. I like, I'm, I'm like a more of a teacher than a preacher. And uh, I teach the word. And so thus, this is, my, this is my whiteboard tonight, okay? So I'm not going to be writing on it, but they're going to do it with stuff. And so I'll give you some, some blanks to fill out. But I'd like to teach on this chapter of Romans chapter uh, 8, and I'm going to entitle this message, The Final Four, The Final Four. So how many of you hate the devil with all, with all your guts? You know, you hate the devil, and the feeling's mutual, guys. He doesn't like you at all. Did you know that? He doesn't like you. He doesn't like the fact that you're here. He doesn't like your family. He doesn't like your faith. He's after you. And we just tell him the feeling's mutual. I have no time for you. I don't like you. I, I mean, Alabama's like a second close to how bad I hate the devil. Come on, how many Tiger fans we got in the room right now? Yeah, almost wore my Tiger gear because it's about that time. But, um, you know, we've been in this competition with Satan since Genesis chapter 3. Humanity and Satan. You know, Satan is not God's adversary. He's our adversary. He's not worthy to be called God's opponent. Okay? God has no rivals. God is God. Satan is our opponent. And I hate him. He hates me. We've been in this competition since Genesis chapter 3. And Satan won a big victory in Genesis chapter 3 when he got Eve to fall into sin. Adam fell into sin as well. And then what we see happen is the dominoes. And, and there are four things that are the symptoms of sin that in Romans chapter 8 are dealt with. And I can guarantee you that uh, tonight... Every person in this room is walking through one of these four battles because these are still the symptoms of the enemy's uh, plan in the world today. The first thing that happened after Adam and Eve sinned was guilt. They felt their shame. They felt naked. And guys, I want you to know some of you are battling this, this constant battle of guilt. Even though you've been forgiven, even though you have been saved, you have this battle of guilt. Like you don't believe you're really forgiven. You know, and, and, and guilt tries to plague us. And, and, and uh, the second battle that happened is the battle of temptation. Once Satan sunk his hooks into humanity, he had a permanent hold on him and temptation happened. Cain was tempted to kill his brother. God spoke to Cain and said, sin is crouching out the door. You better subdue it. And Cain couldn't subdue it. You know, Cain was a slave to sin and he had to sin. Some of you here are, are battling with sin. You're battling with temptation. You've been, you've been saved, but you just cannot get victory over sin in your life. It's like the final four. That's number two in the final four. The third thing that happened is God judged the entire world. And that's the third battle. It's the battle of trials, humanity. God's, God flooded the whole world. How many of you think with Harvey and Irma, we're like about to experience the same thing, right? 
But some of you are in the battle of trials. It's the battle of adversity. Uh, you're not battling with guilt. You're not battling with temptation. But you're battling with adversity and, and trials. You, you lose somebody you love. You go through a sickness. Uh, something happens. You lose your job. You got trials and adversities. And then some of you, the final battle is the battle of fear. Once God had judged humanity and after Genesis 12, there was a separation that happened and humanity was at a place of fear because they no longer knew God. Before Genesis 12, you had these guys that were having conversations with God and something happened. That separation got bigger and bigger where people started living in fear because they didn't know God. So everybody look up here. There's four, there's four big battles and I'm calling them the, four, the, the final four. People struggle with guilt. People struggle with temptation. People struggle with, um, with trials. And people struggle with fear. And so tonight, with Romans 8, I'm going to address all of those things and encourage you. Listen, if you ever need encouragement, if you're ever at this place where you feel dry in your life, just read Romans 8 like two or three times, and it is the chapter of victory. It's the chapter where you just get pumped up, and, and it's like Psalms 91. You ever read Psalms 91 in the Old Testament? You read Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Almighty shall abide under the shadow of his wing. I'll say of the Lord, he is my strong tower. I mean, it's awesome. But Romans 8 is that same thing. You read it, and, and this is how it starts off, and we're going to start off there in your outline. I want you to see the first scripture. So now, 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 there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And so for that, let's go back, go back, go back, go back. So now there's no condemnation. I want you to fill in that first blank. No condemnation. No condemnation. That's the answer to our guilt problem is there's no condemnation. Recently, I was in a gas station, and uh, this guy walked in, and he saw a friend that he hadn't seen in a long time, and the guy was like, bro, I hadn't seen you in forever. He's like, where have you been? And he's like, man, you know I got arrested. And, uh, and the dude was like, what, bro? He's like, yeah, I got arrested. And I'm hearing this whole, this whole conversation go on. And he's like, what, what'd you do? And he's like, well, I didn't do anything. I just I got falsely accused, you know. And, and uh, they're having this conversation go back and forth. And uh, finally, he said these words. I beat those charges, though. I beat those charges. And the guy was like, you beat the charges? And they have this party in the gas station. They're like, you beat the charges. You beat the charges. And they were pumped because they had beaten the charges that were levied against them. Guys, Satan is titled the accuser of the brethren. He is such a hater against humanity. And I want you to know he's the one accusing you to God. Hey, did you see what she said? Did you see that anger? Did you see that temper? Did you see that slander she did? Did you see that deceitfulness? Did you see that lust problem? Did you see that prideful thought that she thought? She's accusing you. You know, I, I said, this, is, this is strong, but man, what a punk. What a punk he is to accuse you in front of God, and he's accusing you, and Christ Jesus came, and he took the full, God says, yeah, I saw that, I saw that, I saw that, and he punished Jesus Christ with all of your punishment. So if you look at him and you cast your sin upon him, there is therefore now no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not just, guys, it's not just your past sins. It's your present sins. And look, it's your future sins. Some of us are worried I'm going to mess up sometime in the future. Guys, 2,000 years ago, all of your sins were future. 
All of your sins were future. There wasn't a, you weren't even alive yet. So God can take care of your future problems as well. This doesn't mean that we don't live for his glory. We don't live to try to be holy and and sanctified. But it just means sin is not a problem. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And God can handle your sin. And that's why you shouldn't walk around. You know, I used to have a dog named Jax. Jax was a, a Labrador retriever. And was super hyper. And Jax had a problem when he was in, he was super excited. He was potty trained and everything, but sometimes it didn't just matter. It didn't matter. He'd just go to the bathroom on the floor, you know? And uh, number one and number two. Yeah. <laughs> Hate those type problems. And I'd walk in the house and I'd yell, Jax! That tail would go between, between the legs. Y'all have a dog, you know what I'm talking about? He'd sink his head down and he'd walk off into the corner. There was a condemnation because he knew he had committed something. And some of us are like that in our relationship with God. We, we're, we feel condemned. You come in worship service and everybody around you is singing to the top of their lungs, but you just have this disconnect with God. You're like, one day I'm going to do better. And when I do better, then I'll be able to worship God. But you have this guilt that's hovering over you. And I want to tell you now, this scripture. Put it back up for me. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I want you to see the words of Jesus Christ in the gospels. Jesus uh, tells us in John chapter 5 verse 24 the same thing. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned. There's that word again. You are not condemned. You are not condemned. I beat those charges. Come on, elbow somebody say, I beat those charges. I will not be condemned. They will not be condemned for their sins, but they have already, already, already passed from death to life. You've already passed from death to life. Man, that's good news. When I say I'm saved, I'm not, I'm not going to be saved if I just keep doing right. I've already passed from death to life. I have my faith in Jesus Christ, but I am saved. I am saved. I'm headed to heaven and I'm not letting guilt from my past. I'm passing my past, passing my past. And some of you, man, you need to hear this. You, you've done stuff in your past and maybe it's relationship stuff that you've walked through to sin. And I want you to know there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law cannot claim me. Look at this. The law cannot claim me, condemn me, or control me. I am free. I am free. Come on, be free. I want to take a moment right there. For those of you that are struggling with guilt and shame, I want you to see your sin as a mountain because that's what it is. Guys, my sin is a mountain. Uh, the prideful thoughts, the angry words, the, 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 the anything, it's a mountain of sin. But I want you to see the blood of Jesus like a tidal wave washing away that, and you are now innocent. You beat those charges. And I want you to take a moment. Now, let me pray for you. Those of you that have struggled with guilt, Lord, I just take a moment right now and pray that we would walk with this innocence in mind, that we are completely free. You've dealt with our guilt problem, that we are not condemned in Jesus' name. Let us hold our head up high as sons and daughters of God. We're not ashamed. We're living completely free because we have beat the charges in Jesus Christ. We will hold our head up high and live for God with all of our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So say no condemnation. That deals with the guilt problem. Now I want you to say no obligation. That's your second thing there. No obligation. Number one, no condemnation. Second, no obligation. And, you know, how many of you would agree with me that slavery is a wicked, wicked thing? 
Did you know who the father of slavery is? Satan. He's the father of slavery. They say there are more slaves on the planet right now than ever in human history. That's sad. More, more slaves in the world today than ever in human history. And Satan is the father of slavery. He is the one who wanted to entrap humanity in sin. And most people think that God has all these rules and he's the one that's trying to trap people in these rules. But when they stop trying to sin, they realize that they can't stop sinning. Paul realized that in Romans 7 when he said, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. Who can, he realized he was in chains to sin. And you notice when, when Adam sinned, he said, the woman made me do it. Like I'm a slave to this woman. She made me do it. And she said, it was a serpent who made me do it. And they realized that they were a slave to the serpent. And Old Testament guys, people did not have the right or the ability to stand up to temptation. When temptation came their way, like David with Bathsheba, he did not have the Holy Spirit inside of him to overcome temptation. But now, through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, you have no obligation to fall in sin. No obligation. Does it mean you're going to live perfect? No. Probably not, but you have no obligation to sin. And let's read this next text, and this is verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation. So there's no condemnation. There's no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. I have a daughter, I have two daughters, Evie and Andy, and a son named Beckham. When Evie was a little bit younger, uh, I went on a golf cart ride with Evie. And Evie wanted to go to the playground, and I wanted to go to the house. And when we passed up the little driveway to go to the playground, Evie reached over and grabbed the steering wheel and yanked the steering wheel. And, and we ended up hitting a curb, and it was, we had a time of fellowship, you know, afterwards, she and I did, and talked about that desire to control where we were going. And, uh, but I didn't see it coming. I was going this way, and all of a sudden, a hand reached over and grabbed that steering wheel, and boom, I was going into a different direction. And that's a lot of time your flesh. You're like filled with Jesus. You're filled with, you're going for God, and all of a sudden, your flesh, your, your, your flesh nature reaches over and grabs that steering wheel, and I want to go this way, and, 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 and you end up going this way. But what this scripture is telling us is you have no obligation to obey your sinful nature because the Holy Spirit, it tells us the Holy Spirit is, come, is coming into our lives. Can I give you two keys to victory with this sinful nature? Because there's two natures inside of you right now. You have this new creation and then you have this old man that you're continually crucifying that's trying to come up. The first key to victory is the Holy Spirit's power in your life. Guys, the Bible says God did not leave us alone as orphans. You're not fighting this battle alone. You are filled with the very Spirit of God that filled Jesus Christ. That Spirit is living inside of you, everybody. Sometimes you feel like you're by yourself, but you're not by yourself. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. And instead of giving your sinful nature to control the steering wheel of the golf cart, you need to say, Holy Spirit, take control of my life. Jesus, take the wheel. The Holy Spirit, you know, uh, there's a, sailors know this, on ships that sail a lot, barnacles grow on the ships. And there's two ways that you can get those barnacles off. One way is you can scrape at them, and that process can damage the ship and can take weeks to get the barnacles off. The other way to get the barnacles off is to pull that ship into a freshwater pool for 24 hours, and the fresh water 
makes those barnacles come straight off and you don't have to labor at it. You just put it in the fresh water. And you know, the presence of God, the spirit of God, if you'll just pull up in the presence of God, those barnacles will fall off your life and those temptations will fall up in your life. That's why I know you're in the right place tonight, being up in the house of God, being up in the presence of God. And so many people are not plugged into prayer, not plugged into worship, not plugged into the presence of God, not plugged into fellowship. And so they're trying to scrape the barnacles off and they just need to get in the presence of God. And that's in, and in this passage in Romans 8, it says the key to victory over this temptation is the spirit of God. It lives inside of us. But then it says that that spirit inside of us calls out Abba Father. We've received a spirit of adoption. The second key to overcoming temptation is this new identity. This I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God, this spirit of adoption that lives inside of us. And, and, you know, in Roman society, Paul was writing to Romans, and they understood this principle of adoption, that adoption in those days, I was talking a moment ago how Mike is a blood brother to me. In the, in, in the days of the Roman adoption, uh, even some of the emperors were not blood heirs, but because they were adopted, adoption was as strong as blood family. They didn't view it how we view it, like, yeah, I've adopted this son, and they continue to call him adopted throughout their life. Once you were adopted, you no longer mentioned the adoption. You were a full-blooded son, even if you look different. They had seven people that would come and watch the adoption ceremony, so after the dad died, even if the person looked different than the other brothers, those seven people would bear witness that this person is a son of this person. In the Bible, says that the Holy Spirit bears witness with us because the person that adopted us has gone to heaven. We needed seven witnesses around us to say they were adopted. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you that says you're a son of God. You have a new DNA. We're not trying to train an old dog new tricks. We're getting a brand new dog. The spirit of adoption, it's a new DNA. Come on, HPC. Let's give God praise for a, a new identity. So you have no condemnation. There's no shame. Be free of that but then you have no obligation to sin. And I want to pray for those of you who are struggling with sin right now. You're struggling with temptation. And as a pastor, and I know Pastor Mike would say the same thing, man, it is a crazy world out there. I get people all the time, Pastor, pray for me, I'm struggling with sin. But I'm going to tell you, you are not obligated to follow that serpent. You are not obligated. You're not a slave to that serpent. You are free from that serpent. You have the power of the spirit. You can stand up against adultery. You can stand up against pornography. You can stand up against greed. You can stand up against anger. You can stand up. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. If you're struggling with sin, let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now for those who are struggling with temptation and struggling with sin. Lord, I pray that they would receive a fresh courage, a fresh infusion of boldness to stand up against temptation. Uh, They're not obligated to their flesh. They're not obligated to Satan. He is not their master anymore. They're a son of God, and the Spirit bears witness with that fact. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The third thing that we see in this passage, and, and we're just dealing with these four battles that everybody faces. We got, we got guilt. We got temptation. The next one is the battle of trials. He goes on to talk about how um, the world is going through all kind of turmoil. And, and we'll put up the scripture so you guys can see it. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning, 
groaning. Guys, creation is groaning right now. Creation is groaning. You look at the world, you know. I don't know if global warming's a hoax or if it's a real deal. It sure seems like it's a real deal, right, with all these storms going on. But the Bible does talk about in the end times that that, that people will curse the sun because of its heat. And, and, and we are stepping into some times that the world is groaning, and it's going to continue to fall apart. People are longing for peace without the Prince of Peace, and there will never be peace without the Prince of Peace. This world is groaning. You think, oh, it's going to get better. And, I, and you put your faith in a political leader. You put your faith in somebody, and you're going to realize that this whole earth is falling apart at the seams. There's only one thing keeping it together. It's the church and the spirit. But the church and the spirit are saying, come, Lord. But the earth is groaning. All creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. And we believers also groan. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but, man, I, we groan. And I'll tell you a moment. that I've, Man, this, this past year, last year, the shootings that took place that were ripping, I mean, ripping our community apart, we went through the floods. It was unbelievably difficult. Uh, I, Angie and I went through a really, really difficult battle. It's just like we believers have grown. We groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. I pray you're not hung up on the body you have because this thing's getting older and older. You know, these bodies disappoint us, but one day God's going to give us a new body. So I want you to know there's no condemnation, there's no obligation, but then there's no frustration. There's no frustration. We patiently endure trials. Creation is groaning. Believers are groaning. But man, this hope that we have, this hope that we have, this is not a fake hope. It's a real hope. You know, uh, Angie and I, we're expecting, this is actually our fifth child. You know, we're expecting because last year Angie was 32 weeks pregnant and we had a stillborn baby boy. And that was right after we had the shootings, we had the flood. And then in November, I held my little son in my hand uh, after 32 weeks and we were expecting this for our fourth child. And, you know, it, boy, it hit me. I can't, guys, I can't tell you how hard it hit me as a person because we believers also groan. We groan. But we have this hope of future glory that's talking about there, that when we fall down, when the righteous fall down seven times, they get back up again. And then this thing just keeps getting back up inside of us, and it's the Spirit of God. My smile is not fake, everybody. I stand up here today filled with the strength, filled with the joy, filled with the love of God. This thing is not fake. It's real on the inside of us. My wife, look, we, we grieved. It was, it was tough. But, man, well, here we are next year. She's expected. She's 21 weeks pregnant, and we're filled with joy. I got one in heaven. And, you know, in the middle of it, God gave me a song. I wrote a song for, for, for my son, and it, it helped to bring healing to my life. But, you know what, I just tell you that story to identify with you. You may lose loved ones. You will lose loved ones. Guys, everybody dies. Hello? You're going to lose people you love. You're going to walk through sicknesses. You're going to walk through hard times. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. 
When I walk through the waters, I will not drown. When I walk through the fire, I will not be burned. I mean, you're going to walk through some stuff, but there's no frustration because the Spirit, and listen, 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 this is so important. The Bible says that the Spirit prays through us with groanings that are too deep to be uttered. I'm telling you guys, the Holy Spirit inside of us, this is a miraculous power. This is a supernatural power that abides on the inside of us. And, and I'm telling you, this thing is real for me and it's real for you, but you got to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. And I'll tell you one else. One other thing, get your eyes off the gory and look to the glory. Get your eyes off the gory and look to the glory. Amen. So there's no frustration. There's no frustration. Say no condemnation. Say no obligation. Say no frustration. And then the last one is there's no separation. There's no separation. This deals with the problem of fear. Fear. You know, you know where fear comes from, everybody? Listen, this is so important you get this because everybody here has a fear of something. You have a fear of dying. You have a fear of a sickness. You have a fear of losing somebody, a kid. You have a fear of something that you're facing. You have a fear. All fear comes from separation. My son Beckham, who's two years old, uh, yeah, he guys, he's the funniest little dude in the whole world. He's a kid. I wish I'd have brought a picture. He's like, he's cotton top to the max, like platinum white hair. And he looks like thing one from Dr. Seuss. He's just, he's hilarious. But at nighttime, about three o'clock in the morning, Beckham will wake up and start screaming. Ah, ah, you know, all the parents feel my pain. But the moment that I walk in the door, the moment I step in the door, he just lays right back down and falls to sleep the moment he sees me. Because separation brings fear, but closeness brings security. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And man, when you know that there's no separation between you and God, none, None. There's no separation between me and God. My sin doesn't separate me. My guilt doesn't separate me. God and I are close. I'm his boy. He loves me. Man, I feel complete confidence. If I were to die tonight, I'm going to be in his presence around his throne. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid because I know God is with me. What else would make David charge at a giant other than the fact he knew there was no separation? There was no separation between he and God. He said, he said you defy the, li- the armies of the living God. So greater is he that is with me than he that is in the world. And I want you to, let's read this last passage in Romans 8, the greatest chapter of victory in the whole New Testament. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? So he's for us, everybody. He's for us. Since he did not spare even his own son, like that's the, ma- the most massive gift he could give, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else, like you worried about your electrical bill, your cable bill, but if he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up, won't he also give us everything else? Continue. Who dares accuse us? Like devil, you can't accuse us whom God has chosen for his own. No one. For God himself, himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. 
For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Man, I t- I, bro, how, how incredible is it that Jesus is praying for Jonathan? Jesus is up there interceding like, Father, I pray that Jonathan would walk in, in the power of the Spirit. I pray Jonathan would walk in freedom. I pray that Jonathan would walk in love. I pray that Jonathan would be the man that I've created him to be. I pray that Jonathan would move in miracles. I pray Jonathan would move in prophecy. I pray Jonathan would move. And, you know, he's praying for me. He's praying for you. Doesn't that build your faith that Jesus is praying for you, standing at the place of honor at God's right hands, pleading for us? And then, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. So this, this, this is victory. This is victory. Come on, everybody. Give Jesus praise. This is victory. This is victory. The devil hates you. You hate the devil. And he had this domino effect. Guilt stronghold of sin, trials that you go through, and then this fear. But the first seven chapters of Romans are proving that Jesus defeated Satan. And then Romans chapter eight is all about that dominoes got stood back up again. You were no longer guilty. You were no longer obligated. You were no longer frustrated. You were no longer separated. And guys, I just want you to know we should live a lot happier than we do because of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So as I, was, as I was preparing to speak to you guys, I text Mike. I said, Mike, I was thinking about preaching a message on worship. I'm a worship leader. I was going to encourage you guys on worship. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is the word I want you to share with these guys because some are struggling with guilt. Some are struggling with sin and temptation. Some are walking through trials, fiery trials. And then some have this fear that plagues them. And I want you to know you have victory in Jesus' name. Amen. You have victory in Jesus' name. I want to ask the team to come, and uh, we're going to worship, but then uh, I'm going to pray, and I know I pray twice in that message, but if any of those things, if God was speaking to you, and tonight you want to realize your freedom, then, then I'm going to pray for you. Let me close with this story. If any of you are history guys, there's a, there's a king, a Scottish king named Robert the Bruce, and Robert the Bruce was in a battle Uh, over the kingdom of Scotland and they had cornered Robert the Bruce and they couldn't catch him, but they knew he was close. What they did, everybody, is they took Robert the Bruce's dogs, his hounds, and those hounds knew his scent. They knew all, they knew exactly what Robert the Bruce smelled like. He unleashed the hounds against, his own hounds against him to find him. And Robert the Bruce heard his hounds just, oh, oh, and he said, that's my hounds, and I know that they'll find me because they know my smell, and one of his friends suggested that he get in the river behind his house and walk upstream for a ways and get out the other side. Coincidentally, the name of that river was the Red River. Robert the Bruce got in the Red River, and he walked down that stream for half a mile. He got out on the other side, and his own hounds lost his scent in the Red River. And boy, that'll preach, won't it? 
Your hounds know your scent. Your past, it, it knows your scent. It knows your game. And they're coming after you, your past trying to get you. And there's one way to get free of it is to get in the Red River, the blood of Jesus Christ, and to walk down that Red River for a little while. Let the hounds lose their scent. Get out on the other side. And I'm telling you, in Jesus Christ, you're free from your guilt. You're free from your obligation to sin. You're free from the depression of frustration that comes with trials. And you are free from fear because we are not separated from God tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.